I think that people are expecting a a magic trick to happen in many of these conversations and in this period of reckoning that we're in. For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, aka 4FS Podcast, hosted by Aaron Salazar. All right, here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 4FS Podcast, otherwise known as For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast hosted by Aaron Salazar. That is I. If you are tuning in for the first time, I'm a New York City-based theater director and producer, the creative director of Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions, and the founder and artistic director of Poseidon Theater Company in New York City. I could not possibly be more excited to continue on with season two of 4FS Podcast with the brilliant luminous, incomparable L. Morgan Lee. If you don't know, the time has come. All right, get your finger on the pulse and get into everything that L. Morgan Lee is because she is it. L. Morgan Lee is an Obie Award-winning actress and theater maker, most known for her performance in the Pulitzer Prize-winning musical A Strange Loop, which garnered her a Lucille Lortel nomination and the distinction of being the first openly transgender actress to originate a role in a Pulitzer Prize-winning piece of theater. Most recently, L. Morgan was cast to portray artist Lily Elby in a British musical adaptation of the novel The Danish Girl, being workshopped in the UK. She's also developing a new play entitled The Women 2021, which was seen in Ars Nova's 2021 Vision Residency. Other credits include new works with Long Wharf Theater, Baltimore Center Stage, Fifth Avenue Theater, Musical Theater Factory, just to name a few. Uh, Al Morgan is dedicated to being a part of work centering underrepresented voices on both stage and screen. She is quoted as saying, she needed a hero, so that's what she became. Okay, everyone, without further ado, Part one of my conversation with Al Morgan Lee. I see that Auntie Stephanie and you are are running a show tonight. Are having a chit chat, yeah, about yes. about uh, uh, trans representation and visibility and the steps towards some sort of more inclusive industry. Now, I, I mean, at this point, I feel like every time I even say that, I almost roll my eyes. But I think it's I think it's just because of the sort of inner skeptic within me. Um, but there's I think that people are expecting a, a magic trick to happen in many of these conversations and in this period of reckoning that we're in. I feel like people are expecting for us to reach September and then the industry is just completely new face, just this sort of full body, like, you know, plastic surgery has been done. And it's like, this is a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So it's going to take a lot of time to sort of work through things. And in order for it to show up as if it was second nature, it's going to take a a, a chunk of time. So it's like, we, we do have to actually get up and going again so that we can treat the wound. I I could not agree with you more. You know, it's that whole thing, that analogy, like, you know, you, you got to put the, the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help the person next to you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I really like that pragmatic point of view because it is a marathon. It's a mission. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a mercenary situation. You know, this is a, this is a long run and the nature of our, our, 
industry is so deadline based. Mm. You know, we've got this much time and then the curtain's up, mm-hmm. even proverbially, like even in my case, I, I don't do proscenium shows <laughs> as a rule these days. I like your pragmatic point of view because do you feel, actually, this is a question. Mm-hmm. Do you feel having that mindset of realizing you're happy to start this conversation because it's the beginning of a long missionary marathon process? Does that give your mental health and spiritual well-being a little more grace and patience? Absolutely, because I'm not coming from a space of urgency. Um, there's no, there's no like this has to get done or my entire life is going to fall apart and I'll never get cast and I'll never. Do. It's like. <laughs> It just ain't that deep. Like it's like it's like the work is going to get done gradually if if there are steps actively being made towards a change and towards something this world that we say that we want to see. That also gives us a chance to like speak to each other enough to start to find a more um community-based version of what that world looks like instead of sort of everybody's individual eyes. I feel like that's sort of oh, look at this, the I and the we. Um I feel like there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of I, 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 I situations which are important, um, but it, we need to be able to listen to each other to sort of collectively see what the picture is that we're looking to get towards. It's like, I want to see where all of our Venn diagrams um, overlap. Those little areas where there is overlaps are the things that we need to sort of start be focusing on as a community. Yes. Yes. And as the young people are teaching <laughs> me to do. Um, well, and I, I, this actually isn't a clean transition, but you're in an interesting position to me because you have been busting your ass. You've been doing this a long time, right? This is literally, and you are a public figure, you know, and you've been quite the press darling um, of late. I don't know. It's like in a lot of, this is a weird analogy, but in a lot of ways, I feel like sort of like when Ellen came out, remember that shit? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, she joked about being my leader. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but in a lot of ways, do you feel a bit of that pressure being one of the the most, first of all, working actresses out there and then also repping for a part of the community that's underrepresented? It's so interesting because somebody in a conversation recently was like, they said that to me. And I was like, Wait, they said the like that, that, you're like, our like, leader, like, like that you're like they were like El Morgan. You know what? 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 Black trans or what trans theater woman is working as much as you are? And I was like, Am I working that much? <laughs> I don't really. I don't feel. It. <laughs> so I'm like, Am I? Because that just really shows us that the pickings are very slim. Because because I mean, I do understand that. Like, I am. Um, I certainly am getting more visibility than um other people in many ways. Um, that's the word visibility. But yeah. like. It's so crazy because there is this, it's interesting because I say this about people who are sort of at the next, at the next level of visibility where like people in their homes are seeing them more often. I often say like, you're, you know, pass some of the wealth around, you're, you're getting everything. But I imagine that they probably feel the same way. They probably, you know, the Laverne Coxes, the MJ Rodriguez's, these, these people who are sort of on the TV and film track so heavily. I sh- yes. I'm sure that those people yes. actually also feel a little bit like they're never working and like, yet we see them nonstop. Um, but I do think that there is, there's definitely a, a, a responsibility. I don't want to say pressure, but there's a responsibility, I think, in being visible um, that I take very seriously. Um, and, mm. and I, 
I try to think before I speak and before I do certain things because I do know that that kind of visibility, um, sort of abused or used in sort of reckless ways, could be problematic for the community that I'm a part of. Uh, versus um, just being so free, 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 all and just saying any and everything that comes to my mind or doing any and everything. It's like I think that there's something to be told. I am an authentic person. I do share myself. Um, uh, in the most sort of free way that I can, but I also do, I think that there's time and space for everything. Um, and like, I don't need to put all my business on social media. I don't need to put every, every thought or idea I have does not need to be shared on Twitter. Um, but that's also perhaps an age situation too. It's like, I feel like it's very, the 20 somethings right now are, are really actively putting every thought out onto social media in a way that, um, is more problematic, I feel like, for the entire reckoning that we're dealing with right now, because it's this thought that if it's not being posted on social media, then it's not being done. And I think that's a that's a disservice to people's minds because there's a lot of work being done that's not being announced. Um, Correct. Which we found Correct. in that Forbes article that came out recently about uh, Broadway th- uh, Black Theater United, for instance, where from the outside, Black Theater, Black Theater United seemed to be, you know, doing little things here and there, but mostly just seems to be cutting that album for that song that they put out. And so people were like, what? what? What is this? They just put out a song and like, there's <laughs> what work has been done. But then you turn around and you realize they've been talking with like the Broadway League. They've been having uh, workshops. They've been making connections with people. They've been doing a lot of work over the past year that was not announced to anyone, but it was being done. And I think it's like, we starts to become like, well, sure, we can judge things and be like, it would have been really uh, helpful for us all to, to get like little updates of what's happening. But at the same time, was that their job to tell us? Like, not necessarily. They saw the thing they wanted to do and they went towards doing it the way that parents often do or the way that the aunties often do. The grown, yes. the grown folks take the reins and do what grown folks need to do and then come back when thing, you know, when the, when the way is clear, the kids walk through. It feels a little bit kind of like that's how this was handled. Um, but it was just to me, uh, that article in particular was just such a confirmation that there is plenty of work being done. There are, there are producers who are talking to their casts about the things that they need to advocate for themselves um, in this new period we're getting into. So it's like there is work being done, even on the Broadway level, where producers are, you know, checking in with their casts as as these offers start going out. So the fear of us going back to the way things were, um, I don't think that we'll ever go back to the way things were because the reality is, is the way things were was a place where people. A, just didn't even see that there was a need for change. Um, and even the acknowledgement that there might be is a change. It's a shift. Um, so I think, again, it's that, it's that sprint marathon situation. It's like there has been forward motion, even if we stopped where we were now, which we're not going to, but even if we stopped here and we just moved forward from there, we have actually made a lot of forward motion as a community. I think it's just hard to see because there's not lots of receipts sort of available for everyone to peruse. You said the acknowledgement of it is forward motion. Mm. Is that what you said? Yeah. Or something to that effect? Absolutely. That shit is a pretty profound statement that I I really want people to kind of let sit in the room. The acknowledgement of it is forward motion. I think that that's such a, a wonderful 
positive way to think about this because a lot of things have happened in the political unrest of the last four years. Let's be real, right? That was a huge part of what season one was basically just about politics. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, how could we not leading up to the election? And um, the one thing we found out politically about America was we knew these folks were out there, right? But then they were emboldened to come out of the closet, right? as it were, right? Right. All these people came out of the closet and were very comfortable being like, I am proudly uh, bigoted, racist, um, not civically minded, dot, 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 dot. Because then also, you know, what we found out simultaneously is we found out that people within our own communities uh, from our own cultures and heritages and races also were bigoted. We're like, shit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. was... That was the thing that was the most shocking is I was like, are you, what, excuse me? Wait, you know that this party doesn't give a fuck about you, right? Like just, I, I mean, and we also, I think what officially was weaponized was God, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way that we, um, criticize other countries for weaponizing God, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, it always has been, um, but, but, you know, just fully weaponized politically, right? Uh, and turning people into single-issue single voters and just a disaster. But, but what we're saying is what we know now that we will never recover from is we'll never be able to go backwards. Right. Like, because now we know, and it's all out in the open. And so, like... Much like our, time, ju- with, much like our time with Orange Face. It's like now we... Him being there brought all the crap up from under the rug. So now we see it all, and we have to deal with it now. Precisely right. And with the performing arts community, let's say, as a whole, mainly right now, traditional proscenium theater, everyone's out of the closet. Right. It's, it's a, you know, ironically, in the arts. <laughs> and so now we know, you know what I mean? Now we know, like, either how deafening your silence is. And I should also say that I don't mean the silence of like posting on social media, right? but you know, the real silence, right? The real one. And then finally everyone's saying the thing that for some reason until last year, no one had the courage to say, to say, you know, there's always been the, the elephant in the room has been there the whole time. Sure. And I think we all knew. But, you know, let's be real. As theater artists, we want to play nice. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to be grateful to have our gig. You know, and you want to be like, oh, I'm so lucky to thank you so much, bitch. Like, you know, it's (laughs) like, I I can say that. I know it now, but I was right there with you. So, you know, but but that oppression and, and colonization that is just being American, let alone the hierarchy of the arts... It's we can't go backwards. Sure. Is what I'm is my long tangent point to your great, great commentary on that. Hi, this is Aaron. 
your host and producer of the show. So there's a lot happening right now in the world. And rather than take a moment to have a commercial, I thought it would be nice for us to take a moment and recalibrate. How does that sound? Excellent. Okay, so get comfortable, and we're going to take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Deep breath in, and just let it out. All right. Now close your eyes, and breathe. Normally. Perfect. I hope you feel a little better now. And just remember, you are perfect. And you are loved. Okay. Let's get back to the show. fuck were we saying it was good we were the weapon the weaponizing the of weaponizing. god uh-huh so the way it always goes back to that with me <laughs> and, so and I, was, I was watching anything goes and i was thinking about the weaponizing <laughs> of god sutton foster um correct everyone is out of the closet yes and so therefore that thing that was always there that was hard to define um, is now out in public. And also I think, thank you, social media, because let's be real. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm going on um, 22 years, 22 years in New York city in August. I live here uh, in New York city in August. Uh, so I say this with some fucking perspective is moving here with, with nothing, right? No technology. Let's sure. I mean, in 99 comparatively. Let's be real. Um, I mean, my phone was this big. I had one of those little like credit card phones from like Virgin Mobile. Um, 
when you bought it at the fucking store on 40 seconds in Times Square. <laughs> uh, I just got excited about being old. Okay, so um, older. Uh, I love that everyone I feel, in the 40s what? just keeps saying old. This keeps coming up. I was like, 40s is not. 40s is not an old group. No, we absolutely are not. But what it is, is that we've got this really intense cutoff, right? Where we experienced a huge chunk of, dare I say, our youth in our 20s without the pressure of social media. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that shit. And I think in the last, I want to safely say, well, actually, really with this last, uh, whatever that happened over there in DC. not even YouTube. Yeah, exactly right. Social media has really become activated in a way that is beyond, yeah. you know, and, you know, with a bunch of creative people with no outlets and a self-publishing platform. I mean, mm-hmm. so. I mean, I still remember, I still remember when Friendster and MySpace started up oh my and everyone was like, oh my God, be my friend on Friendster. And on Friendster, you had to give a testimony about the friend and mm-hmm. like people would give testimonies. And it was back when I was like, you know, working in the music industry. I've had a million lives. I was like a recording artist for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people would be like, when Gucci rolls out a human being, it will look like Aaron. And I was, oh my God, just hipstered out. <laughs> and I used to be so, I would say shit like, I'm like looking to connect with creative people. And I don't mean people from Parsons. Um, oh my God. By the way, Parsons, a I rebel. was a fucking, I was an idiot. I would never say, I, I completely, uh, anyway, that's no, just, you know, but okay, this is actually, there's a point, uh, dear listeners, is, <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, I'm so glad I didn't have access to self-publishing shit in my 20s. Absolutely. Oh my God. So, you know, here's all these young people, you know, emboldened and- There's no proof. And what, yeah, and and waving the flag, right? You know what I mean, and making it happen. You know, there there has to be a balance in the dichotomy of of understanding because we're so used to the instantaneousness of our thumbs mm. that these matters that we're trying to change mm-hmm. aren't instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this, it's this, it's the instant gratification situation. We take a we take a quick picture on our cell phones and we can immediately look at it and go, no. And then we can even go in and go fix this, lighten this, do this. It's like everything is everything is so immediate and so exactly as we want it to be. So it's it's like it's it's as if it's breeded, and it has, it's breeded sort of a generation of people who don't know what it's like to just deal. <laughs> don't know what it's like to just figure it out and you know put in the seeds and do the work and like look for the to look for the change to show itself up it's sort of a well yes and also yes and and also that there's a lot of things that happen uh for lack of better uh term offline Mm, exactly there's a lot of shit happening offline you know i mean just in life god willing uh but you know in general there's a there's a lot happening on the back end and you know the look the 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 rule is for musicals which we all love and hate at the same time i feel and i say hate because hate is next door to love um Mm -hmm. i'll speak for myself um it's what 10 years page to stage is the rule ish yeah it's like eight to ten years Eight to ten years page to stage. And I use this example often only from the mythology of it, but it's like fucking Steven Schwartz icon took him fucking ten years to get wicked up. 
like you know, shit takes a long time. Sure, uh, sure. You know, in in the process of of that. Um, and so I, I'm so excited about the acknowledgement of everything and the uncomfortability of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the most rewarding to me, I looked at that as if my assistant did it, but it was my hat. Um, <laughs> I was like, did someone else close it? You're like, it's not going well. You're like, so Aaron was recording and there was a paranormal experience, but he sort of was like, I'm watching ghosts move in the room. Yeah. Um, so you just see like two eyes and bangs, like anyway. Uh, so, um, I don't know why bangs, but that's very specific. Uh, so nothing's more terrifying, right? On a ghost when they have bangs. Um, I don't know why that is, but when ghosts have bangs, you're like, it's serious. It's so serious. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, what I have found so fruitful too is I think a lot of us have are as artists, because of this pause, we had to actually stop and say, wait, why am I doing this? Do you know what I'm saying? Like what what am I really like what what am I doing? Like we we knew that this was an impossible, we knew that the odds were stacked against us going into this life. Absolutely. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be simple. Okay. No one. It's why your parents are like, don't. Don't I mean, do it. Yeah. What's wrong do with it. you? Didn't you want to be a psychiatrist? Didn't you want to be a doctor? Just fucking just, you know, be a fucking general manager somewhere. Jesus Christ. Something like, you know, have a, don't you want a 401k love? <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's like, you know, but look, look we, I, have a, we have a 401k. It's just, it's just how much is actually being contributed to it. <laughs> That is a dark topic that... Like, it's there. We have it there. It's just good luck making sure that you get enough contracts to, like, that it even means something one day. Amen. And so, all of that being said, I think what really changed for so many people was what is the why? You know, Mm -hmm. here, like, if we look at this on a really basic level, uh, you know, me as a director... Do you prefer, I've been asking this, do you prefer actor or actress in terms of like the title of what that is, not the gendering of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm someone that I do use actress. Um, I don't, I don't put value on, um, I don't put a differing of, I don't like, I don't, the gender and situation, like I don't, actress is fine to me. It doesn't, it is no different than actor in my head. Um, right. But I, it's like, I accept actor as well. So it's just, it doesn't matter to me. Copy that. So as a, let's say that as a, as a third artist, um, all we do, right. Any of us in the performing arts film, anything is try to figure out the why of the story. Absolutely. But I feel like, I feel like what was not happening is we weren't asking the why of our fucking life. Like what, what am I doing with my life? Like if I'm choosing to be in a situation where I know that it's like very feasible that like it's going to fiscally maybe be challenging for a while, mm-hmm. then why the what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. And like also, if all we're doing is setting up these digital tombstones for ourselves with this fucking social media stuff, like what am I leaving the world? Because mm. we're not working in film right now. All of our work is ephemeral. It's just going to be something that's told around a fucking campfire. You know, it's like people talk about Marion Seldes, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The sightings. The sightings, you know, she was like the Yeti, you know, it's like she, and you know, who doesn't love, who doesn't love her? And 
But there you go. It's like, we can't click and watch her. Absolutely not. We have to talk about her, you know, and it, it's, so if that's what we're doing, then what, what are we doing? It's been the question that I've been asking myself. And I think this is where everything coming up with racism in our industry is people finally asking why racism pay inequities uh, pay inequities i was gonna say gender gender like gender gender politics you know and and in terms of this you know i watch all of you beautiful people by proxy who are working um in and around the broadway right and that's complicated too, isn't it? Because ultimately, you know, we all know this, it was built on the backs of, of black performers um, and immigrants, you know, and Zigfield Follies. It's like, it, it wasn't like Broadway started, you know, doing Chekhov. Like, <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And that, that's even if you revere Chekhov as, yeah, yeah. as you know, one of those. And, you know, I, I really like Chekhov. I'm not, I'm, I'm come out of the closet about that. I think it's good. But, sure. you know, I mean, nothing, nothing happens, but also nothing really happens in life either life. sometimes. That's yeah. Like, yeah, it's just life. You're just alive. I went to this production of um, uh, uh, Uncle Vanya. A really, really good one. Really, really good one. It was actually the one that was uptown at, at Hunter College or something. And um, I'd never seen it. And I had forgotten what happened during it. And I won't spoil it for the you kids who need to. It's a great play. Read the play. But they had a scene where they literally just let the woman with a, the character with a fully functioning sink wash dishes and then cut bread. And I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> I was like, <sighs> they're like, see, see what our plumbers were able to do. <laughs> and here's the tea I really hate props. Uh, and that listen, I'm not going to cancel my prop masters. If I if there's the money to have the brilliant, brilliant prop masters, yes. But like as an indie theater director, I'm like, oh, I don't want to. It's too. It makes me nervous. So it just took a year off my life. That serves no purpose to what I was saying. But there we have it. Um, coming back full circle to all this, I don't even know if this is a good transition, but it goes back to what I asked of you, and your answer being yes. I think we need to allow ourselves some grace, but also not, hopefully not mistake that for inaction. Exactly. Sure. Well, one of the things I loved um, was yesterday I heard this uh, Instagram live conversation with Laura Benanti and Laura. Oh my God. Yeah. And Laura, did you, did you see it? She, okay. First of all, I, I've always been down and then I enjoy Laura yeah you know I'm an old 54 below guy and so you know I was around her she's just the most delightful person like super chill energy and like it was lovely I one of the things in particular that I loved because like there are moments when she was saying things that I I kept thinking this feels I know that it's like when she made comments about how white people need to get sort of used to the feeling of discomfort and that that's, you know, that's part of the process. And it's interesting because for me, even hearing her say that made me uncomfortable because it was like something that we just, something that we don't hear. We don't, we don't experience this happening um, where people are saying things like she made a comment about how the more that she learns, she sees that um, how much of a better person she could be. And it's like, these things are just, it's like these sort of self, 
this self-reflection and realization is number one, beautiful. And it's something that we all, no matter what the gender or race or group, we all could benefit from doing that a bit more. Um, but seeing, hearing it be so like race specific in this conversation, it just made me feel so uneasy. And I was like, this is, this is wild because it starts to make you realize exactly how much you're holding and how much all of us are holding inside that's sort of been taught to us. We, we've learned that We've learned that it should be uncomfortable for for a, a white person to acknowledge discomfort speaking about race. One hundred percent. And what I was so blown away by the simplicity of it, and mm-hmm. her as an example, is when Laura said, "I had to." And I'm, I, by the way, Laura, if you're listening, first of all, thank you, and uh, second of, of all, I'm misquoting you, but she said something to the effect of. I had to identify my own racism. Yeah. And I was like, there it is. There it is. For some reason, people think that if you raise your hand and you admit to your internal, your your own racism, Mm -hmm. you're going to be canceled. It's the same thing in a 12-step program, raising your hand and going, I'm an alcoholic. I'm acknowledging this. And now what we're going to do is I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to be better. Our white friends, family, Colleagues, colleagues, comrades, comrades <laughs> friends of Romans, countrymen. Uh, I think that there's that fear, which I think is a respectful fear of not wanting to say that out loud. And I'm like, yeah. it's okay to say it because we are American. We are inherently racist, even <laughs> as not white people. <laughs> it is the essence of being American. We're built on the backs of it. Yeah. Literally. And so what I found so beautiful about that, here was Courtney and Davon, and they just were like, mm-hmm. They, <laughs> yes. No, but like you just like, saw like welcome, welcome to the table. You come around. <laughs> you, now you now you see a little bit more clearly. There's been a it's, it's as if a layer has been taken off of the glasses. Well, and also she said it without like, you know, she didn't say it like in a way where she was patting herself on the back or I deserve a cookie, but just being like, I had to identify that I have racism. Mm -hmm. I'm racist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And now like what my goal is, is to actively not be that shit. And that's the thing we all have because listen, the self-hatred, you know, that, that, that's put upon people in terms of even like what we consider, and this is a big part of our industry, beautiful. A lot of that's tied into race. A lot of that's tied into colorism. A lot of that's tied mm-hmm. into all these things. And these are all self-hating things you have to come to terms with. And not to like make her some bastion or like, oh, great, she deserves all the gold stars for saying the obvious. But I thought it was a really lovely example of a very authentic way of just stating something. Absolutely. And what what uh, I'm ultimately pretty sentimental for being as like grumpy as I am. What what I found so moving about it was it's just, it's like simplicity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's interesting how artists of color are just asking for an acknowledgement and offering people a safe space to make that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so hard for so many people hmm. to acknowledge this. Ah, uh, that, that sentence, if you just... You can you could take that sentence and input so many other things inside of it. It's interesting how artists of color, it's interesting how trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming people 
just want for cis people to acknowledge. It's it's interesting how black people, it's interesting how like literally you could put all of the underrepresented groups within that and then put the the sort of more I guess majority group or whatever outside of that. Um whatever that and means. It's right? like the, and that's one of those, it's like one of those statements that like that people just want to be seen. People simply uh, want to be seen, acknowledged, and like, and and more specifically, seen on their own terms, because that's that's the thing I think that people are so used to in lots of these sort of conversations and panels, and you can segue that even into our business in terms of like in auditions or in rooms. It's like people want to come to a room, show you who they are, and have you see them on their terms, not yours. If I walk into a room and I'm introducing myself, I don't want you to put on top of me all of the things that you sort of assume I'm supposed to be based on the color of my skin or what my hair looks like or how like I or what my gender is or you know or what you or what you think my gender is and then you find out my gender and then that all those assumptions change again. It's like that should not be <laughs> that stuff. It's also just to me it's also just very exhausting for the person watching too. It's so much simpler to just breathe and let a person show you who they are and then take them at face value until they, and, and they will continue to show you who they are, flaws and all. Amen. L. Morgan Lee, dear listeners. We are just scraping the surface, finishing part one of a four-part conversation with our July guest host, L. Morgan Lee. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, show us some love, use your thumbs, and uh, hit us up on Instagram at 4FS underscore podcast. Also, if you'd like to ask any questions during the show or have any suggestions for topics, hit me up in the DMs. We would be thrilled to feature some of your ideas on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And be sure to join us for part two of our conversation with L. Morgan Lee. For fuck's sake podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Produced and engineered by Aaron Salazar. Recorded in New York City.